the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow underway. The Monday edition has arrived post-Thanksgiving, post-holiday. Hope yours was great. Ours certainly was and jam-packed with rivalry weekend and an NFL slate that we will certainly get to over the next three hours. Uh, Chad, jam-packed today in reaction and previewing upcoming championship weekend for college football. Bobby Carpenter joins us in 20 minutes. Uh, to react to Ohio State's loss to Michigan. The Wolverines get it done again. Dan Dockich will join us an hour from right now after you joined him this morning. A lot to touch on uh, across college football and the NFL. Timmy B, Tim Brando, uh, he was certainly setting the scene in one of the the great games over the weekend uh, in the snow. He had the game of the weekend. In the snow. I'm telling you, that was the best game of the entire weekend was Farmageddon in the snow. Timmy B crushed the call, too. K-State, yeah, it was, uh, it, he absolutely did. And, uh, Billy Lucci has crushed the coverage of Texas A&M and the, the decision that uh, they've made on their coaching search. We'll dive into the background, and Chad will touch on that in just a moment. Chad, the, the rivalry weekend lived up to all the hype. Michigan and Ohio State, like we said last week, could not be overhyped. But... It wasn't the game of the weekend. The game of the weekend was the Iron Bowl with Alabama and Auburn. Certainly the finish of the weekend. Yeah, and and the magnitude, though, was Michigan's victory over Ohio State yet again, where the Wolverines, they get it done in crunch time. You know, they kick that field goal to go up by six on a drive where they ran the ball, what, nine times of the 12 possible snaps that they had. And they made the critical plays at the critical moments against Ryan Day's team that did not play and live up to the same fervor that he had been preaching all season long and, you know, yelling into a microphone postgame. And Jim Harbaugh, not on the sideline, now looks like a, a, a rejuvenated coach who can't wait to get back out there. He'll coach in the Big Ten championship game. And here is a team, and I, I, I alluded to this last week with how we will view the players versus the coach when this is all said and done. I, I've been extremely impressed with the way the team and the locker room has handled things on the field throughout this entire saga. Not just the three weeks without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline, but all of the distraction and how many programs could just point to that distraction, that massive news story uh, and, and, newsworthy distraction, we should say, and say, considering everything that was going on, how they didn't look over their shoulder, how they didn't look outside the confines of whatever was going on within the program itself, and not drop one of these. And not only did they not do that, they, while they didn't coast against Ohio State, they were in control. They didn't allow Marvin Harrison Jr. to take over the game. J.J. McCarthy wasn't great, but he was good enough in this one. And they lined up, took a six-point lead in the fourth quarter, and did it in the trenches yet again. And that's the mantra of this Wolverines team that I think now moves on to the college football playoff. They'll get through the Big Ten championship game against Iowa, move on to the college football playoff. And, Chad, the storylines will continue with Harbaugh. But if this team does something that they couldn't do a year ago, which was carry over what they did in the regular season to the college football playoff uh, and, and, and point to the trenches yet again. If they do it this year, I'm super impressed, regardless of how you can point to how they got here 
They've lost one game over the last three years, and it was to Michigan State and to Kenneth Walker the third game where he looked like, uh, you know, he was a, a Heisman Trophy winning running back like Ricky Williams. And since then, they haven't had a bad loss. They haven't lost. They've been dominant. And while I certainly think that it was enhanced by what they did off the field and scouting and signs, it's a locker room that shows that they can handle uh, the the weight and all eyes on them to put up or shut up. And they have. And meanwhile, Ryan Day has left shutting his mouth yet again for another season against the Wolverines, this time without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. This Michigan team is certainly united, and they've shown that throughout, and they showed it again. So great job by them rallying the troops amidst a lot of self-imposed adversity. Yeah, Let's not act like this is outside stuff. This is self-imposed stuff. Um, they're the ones who cheated and got caught. Not necessarily the players. We don't, we don't know. No, not, not the players. But I'm not saying they didn't know. I just don't know a, if they did. It is a program issue. You know, but before, yes, we, yes. before we go too quick to say, boy, you know, let's, let's throw a ticker tape parade for this team overcoming adversity, it was created by their program. That's right. It was created by people within their program, whether they knew or not. And look, I'll give full marks to players because they're not the one in Central Michigan gear out there illegally stealing signs. Yet they're out there, you know, facing the heat, and they've overcome a lot. And it's clearly a united group, and Jim Harbaugh continues to talk about that. Sharon Moore continues to talk about that. So I buy all of this. Look, Ohio State outgained Michigan by 40 yards. Difference in the game was two turnovers, two interceptions by Kyle McCord in this game. Michigan had the better quarterback, even though he was not outstanding. J.J. McCarthy was efficient the way he's been throughout his career, and he did not make the big mistake, whereas Ohio State – their quarterback, and a young one, made a couple of big mistakes. Here's also a big stat in the game. Michigan was 3-for-3 three three on fourth down. Ohio State didn't go for a fourth down. And Ohio State had an opportunity early in that game to go for it fourth and one at midfield, and they punted it away. That was a beta move by Ryan Day because this is a guy that after they beat Notre Dame was quick to get emotional and all hopped up on adrenaline and call out old man Lou Holtz and say, I don't give a damn what Lou Holtz says. We're a physical football team. Well, hey, bud, here's your shot. Here's your chance. All of America's watching. Go run for one yard and show Michigan what's up in that moment. Instead, you punt it away. And now you've lost three straight to Michigan in a game where America was rooting for Ohio State. I think a lot of people, if you don't really have a dog in the hunt as a kid, you kind of choose in this game. I'll raise my hand and say I'm a Michigan guy. Years and years in this rivalry. If I had to pick one, I'm going for Michigan over Ohio State. No ties to either school. And you just kind of choose as a, as a kid. Well, on this one day, I'm thinking, you know, it'd be nice to not have the Michigan story with everything going on with Connor Stallions. I wouldn't mind seeing Ohio State win this game. And instead, what happened is what's happened the last two years. Michigan was the more physical team. They were the smarter team. They were the more resilient team. Even after they lost a first-round pick offensive lineman, they were the more resilient and better team, and Michigan gets it done again. Uh, it's weird to even say this, but what does Michigan look like with Jim Harbaugh now coming back on the sideline? Because Hutton has gone pretty well without Harbaugh on the sideline for this Michigan Wolverines team. Yeah, it, it has. And Credit here, to Sharon Moore for yeah, that. Absolutely. And, and again, the, the poise of the players. But here, here's the thing to take away. They, Michigan now puts themselves in a different conversation for me because – they're consistent in winning the key games over the last three years. That goes without saying. And, and this stretch speaks 
to a, a different level because of the penalty being served. Now that that's over, Chad, now there's a weight lifted with all of this. If they felt like they were going through, you know, the it, Sharon Moore and the, the hell that he was going through and the emotions are pouring out if their win over Penn State, now that's over, they're, going, they're certainly going to view it as penalty and suspension and discipline served. And now just go on and take care of business like they have been doing. I can't wait for the storylines, though, of how things match up yeah, I, for the playoffs. I really want to see – and see now, and this is uh, – it's so anticlimactic because Iowa's not going to be able to score uh, no. on Michigan. I mean, that, that's going to be a, a terrible game. So now we got to wait for Michigan to play legitimate competition. A month and a half. Yeah, and – Look, Michigan's schedule was weak. This is the, the battle now that's going on in our YouTube chat. Uh, but they did beat Ohio State, which is as good of a win as anyone can put on their schedule because Ohio State is very good and undefeated coming in this game. They beat them at home, yes. They did win at Penn State. I think Penn State's probably 8-4 and four if they're in the SEC, quite frankly. I think they benefit oh, from a very weak Big Ten, and they really no-showed in their two big games in the Big Ten. So – how good is Michigan? I think they're very, very good. I want to see them go against Georgia or even Florida State's defense. I want to see if they can just line up with a heavy box and just run on people the way they do in the Big Ten against some competition like that. And they haven't been able to do that. I would like to see that uh, yeah. in the playoff before crowning Michigan. But uh, th in terms of team, I put them right there with Georgia. Uh, of what of, of how confident I am in this individual group. Georgia's program is superior. They're back-to-back -back national champions, and they got a good shot at a third. And I think Georgia's very mentally tough, what Kirby Smart's instilled in that program. But if I'm looking at other teams that I feel confident in that unit, getting the job done and knowing what to do and being accountable and all those things coaches talk about, I'm looking at Michigan right up there with Georgia. Georgia one, probably Michigan two. But I still need to see Michigan – physically dominate an SEC opponent that's great in that fashion. I need to see that in this playoff before really believing right it. Right there with you. But, hey, they're going to be Big Ten champions, and they got it done against Ohio State again, and now that's got a lot of Buckeye fans concerned about Brian Day and what their future looks like. Chad, we've got an NFL coaching move with the Panthers with Frank Reich out. We'll get to that in a moment. But the, the moves in college football, the dominating headlines, especially in College Station – where it's Elko, not Stoops. And the storyline behind the scenes we'll get later in the show with Billy Lucci. But it feels an awful lot like what Shiano Sunday was like across the Southeast whenever he was supposedly going to be hired as the next head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers until, well, he wasn't rubber-stamped approved. That seems the way it went for, for Mark Stoops at Kentucky, who is staying with the Wildcats after such an amazing victory over Louisville that he didn't want to leave this team. Well, that wasn't the way reports were being sent out. He was headed to College Station until he wasn't. What yeah, happened? I think this was a done deal. We'll ask Billy Lucci about it specifically, but he uh, basically posted this on X that uh, they saw the fan reaction and it was never official until the board okayed it. And I think the board got cold feet when they saw how upset their fan base was over Mark Stoops being the guy in College Station. Uh, Shiano Sunday is the perfect example. This was November of 2017, where John Curry, then athletic director at Tennessee, all but looked like he had his guy, and Greg Shiano was meeting with him. Word got out. T the uh, social media went crazy with Tennessee fans. Now, 
they had something to fall back on, and that was his ties to the Penn State program. And Jerry Sandusky and Tennessee fans, I think, pretty conveniently used that as the sword to lop off the head of Greg Schiano because they didn't want a mediocre coach leading their program. Now, that revolt got John Curry eventually ousted, Philip Fulmer in, and Jeremy Pruitt as the head coach. That certainly did not work out for Tennessee either, but they did land on Josh Heupel eventually. That's going very well right now for Tennessee. I look at this, though, and see the anger from A&M fans, and I don't really get it. Um, I mean, Mark Stoops has done a really good job at Kentucky. Is Mark Stoops ever going to win an SEC title at Kentucky? No. I don't think he's ever going to have a shot to do that. He's not been to an SEC championship game in his time there. But if you can win 10 games at Kentucky and 7-5 and five and a win over Louisville as a top-10 team in that year yeah. is a disappointment for Kentucky fans, that's a really good job. So A&M fans revolted against one 7-5 and five head coach at a basketball school that once worked under Jimbo Fisher in order to get another 7-5 and five coach at a basketball school that once worked for Jimbo Fisher the job. Th- th- that was the replacement. Mike Elko has not been at this as long as Mark Stoops. Doesn't have the track record that Stoops has as, as a head coach. And now you could argue, well, that lack of a track record, we know more about Stoops and what we know is we don't love it. But we don't really know. There's some unknown about Elko. Okay, that's fine. I get that. And I like the Elko hire. I think it's a a good move. It's a very sound, sober move by a fan base and a school that's not always the most sound and sober. And we'll talk to Billy Lucci about this. But is it that much better than Mark Stoops? I don't think so. I I think it's kind of one and the same, right? I, I I don't see a big difference at all with people acting like, you should be doing backflips over Mike Elko and upset with Mark Stoops. I think Stoops would have been a solid hire for AM. I think Mike Elko is a solid hire for AM. I think the ceiling for both is probably pretty similar, but I think the floor is very high. I think the floor is higher for Stoops because we've seen it at Kentucky in the SEC over a long period of time. I don't think he's ever bottoming out at a place like AM. Maybe the ceiling's a little bit higher with Elko and the floor's lower. But I don't get everybody upset with Stoops being the guy on Saturday night. I think it's just perception of what they've done and what the 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 common thread that Elko would have with A and M. That's that's the to me Elko's liked by the the general consensus. Yeah, I guess fans liked his work there when um, he was under Jimbo. But, but in, in the buyout for Stoops was what like four or five million dollars this year, um, according to the report. So it's not like it was so steep that those that paid. The, the Jimbo Fisher buyout didn't want to pony up and do that too because Lucci had also told us whenever they made the move, he was like, I, I think what this comes down to is we'll pay the salary if we can get someone to pay the coach's buyout. And this would be, quote-unquote, affordable uh, for the, the A&M supporters that would want to do it. And then they, they pulled the fan base and they were, were not having it. I, th- I think the Stoops... Mantra that the identity of what he's done in Kentucky can work well at AM, given the funds, the resources, uh, the recruiting, the portal, all of that combined. I, I would be interested to see what happens there. Elko, meanwhile, I mean, he's done good things at Duke, but what does that translate now in the SEC? Well, and and whenever we're comparing him now, and he will be compared to Texas. Well, let me give you the home run hire for A&M that they never even considered, and I think it's because this guy hurt their feelings, and that's a shame. It's Lane Kiffin. Mm. Lane Kiffin, with that pocketbook, 
and those that NIL fundage and his offense and his ability to go after other fan bases and coaches, that would have been fun at A&M where he would have been spending 365 days a year going after Steve Sarkeesian, a guy he knows well, and the Texas Longhorns. That would have been fun, and I think that would have won big time mm. at a I'm not saying Elko won't win, but it's a shame that A&M got their feelings hurt uh, by Lane Kiffin because of some things that Jimbo Fisher said about Lane Kiffin and him firing back because I think he would have been the right hire. Other hires to be made because coaches are on the outs. We'll get to that. Plus, we recap Michigan-Ohio State with Bobby Carpenter. That's next on Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Bobby Carpenter joins us as we continue to recap the college football rivalry weekend. Look ahead to championship weekend. He joins us uh, where you can also hear him on Series 6M Channel 84. Follow him on social at bcarp3. Bobby, good to see you, man. Uh, sorry about the, uh, the weekend with the Buckeyes, but hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And we can confirm... We both had Thanksgiving feasts based on the two meat requirement that uh, you put forth with us uh, last weekend. That's key. I'm glad you guys had the nice feast there. A couple of different meats to choose from. Uh, pretty fantastic. Thanksgiving is good. It's really always a good. Uh, it's always a good four days. Yeah. You know, maybe you don't get the football outcome that you enjoy, but there was a lot of food and a lot of football to consume. And I try. I, I did take. I would say I took solace in it because it probably would have been better. So I was watching Ohio State after they lost, watching that Bama-Auburn game, thinking, you know what, if Alabama wins or loses, that would probably eliminate them from chances of getting in the CFP. And then I thought, man, I feel bad, but if I was an Auburn fan, this happening back-to-back years and you really had nothing else other than that game to kind of hang your hat on, that would have been frustrating as well. What's your biggest takeaway to the result of Saturday for Ohio State and Michigan? Um, you know, I think they're both two really good football teams. And I, I try to talk to my dad about this. He's 68 and he's got a little more perspective and he's not really outside of me going to Ohio state really wasn't an Ohio state fan. So he always has a pretty good perspective on how this goes. He's like, you know, these are two really good football teams. He's like, came down to final drive. It's like probably could have got a stop a little earlier on defense. Don't, you know, you, you know, limit them to a field goal, maybe limit them to nothing potentially get the ball back sooner. You drive down and maybe score. There's some plays that could have broken either way. Um, I give Sharon Moore a lot of credit, you know, the acting head coach, their offensive coordinator. I mean, he had a couple things. I mean, they got a halfback pass ready. They bring in their backup quarterback, Alex Orgy, coming off the uh, off the bench to start the second half, give him a little juice. And he had you know, two big plays that were explosive gains that kind of helped catapult those drives and get them started a little bit. So, I think he did a great job. Uh, Michigan, they played well. They did a good job. And Ohio State, you know, in, in big games like that, you've got to find a way, gentlemen, to make the play. And you look across the slate of college football this year and some of these big rivalry games, they, I mean, they come down to a play here or there. And there's probably about five or six plays that you look like, well, if that broke this way or this broke that way, like one of the five or two of the six, and all of a sudden it, may be, it might be a different outcome. And so you have to try to figure out how do you find that edge? Because now it's been three straight for Ohio State. I know Ryan Day and you know this Ohio State coaching staff and team, they're looking for answers. 
Yeah, and speaking of Ryan Day, his overall record is, is terrific, obviously, but now three straight losses to Michigan, and we all know how important that series is. Bobby, realistically, overall, you know, you got the lunatic fringe and you got people who are always going to be optimistic, but the realistic view of Ryan Day right now from the Ohio State fan base is what? Uh, today, I think uh, largely it's a, a lot of frustration. Now, give it, you know, a couple days. Um, you know, and especially see how things break out this weekend. And I, I think that there's the understanding of, hey, this guy's a really good football coach, needs to get this done, you know, coming up. But I don't know if you think, you know, there's people saying fire the coach. I always ask people, like, do you really want that? Because firing the coach doesn't mean you're getting a better guy. There's a chance that you could fire a coach and then in two years realize this wasn't the guy. The guy we had before was better. And for a variety of reasons, you know, they weren't able to get the results that you wanted. And it's tough at Ohio State right now because Jim Trussell went nine and one and Urban went seven and oh. And at the end of the Trussell era, beginning of the Meyer era, I don't know if those teams were quite as good. And they compare him to John Cooper, the 90s, who I grew up watching and knew a lot of guys who played on those teams at Ohio State and you know, three separate times they went and undefeated and lost. But they were losing to Michigan teams that were, you know, seven and three coming into that game or seven and four coming into that game. These Michigan teams are, you know, one loss or undefeated. They are very good teams. Jim Harbaugh has done a really good job up there. And so you've got to find a way to get it done. And now, like I said, I think most of the people realize like hey, 11 and one, that's great. At most places, it'd be fantastic. It might even be okay here if you dropped one to, you know, Iowa, but beat Michigan. And that's what happened with Urban. And they're like, well, Urban beat Michigan. I'm like, but he also lost games that he probably shouldn't have. So you've got to try to balance that and look at everything in totality. And but it just stings, guys. You know, I mean, when you lose a probably losing close almost hurts worse than it did, you know, the prior season or two. Ten years from now, how is this Michigan team remembered? Are they remembered as cheaters or are they remembered as a resilient bunch that won the Big Ten title? Um, it'll be interesting because I think some of that's going to be judged through the prism of history over the next couple months, how things shake out, what things, and maybe it's six to eight months, nine months, ten months with what comes out with the NCAA investigation. And then also, you know, what do they end up doing? Like if they end up, you know, winning this, winning it all, I think people will probably remember that maybe more than anything else. Uh, but if they just get to the CFP and maybe lose and and, and lose handily, I don't, I, I think it's probably a nondescript year and people look at it and maybe lean into, you know, the, the sign stealing and different things more. But I, I have, I think if they end up doing something in the playoff, people will probably remember that far more than the other. I'm going to go rapid fire here in a moment. Just briefly, though, uh, next year, we if this were next year, we would see a rematch for the Big Ten Championship. Uh, does Ohio State win the rematch? Do you buy into the fact that the Buckeyes would win a, a rematch the following week after what we saw? Um, I, I would say there's a good shot. I'm not going to say you're guarantee yeah. anything, but it would be a neutral site, which is that's the one thing that you kind of lose a little bit when you have that. Number one, there's a rematch, but number two, it would be in a neutral side. It'd be an indie. You know, it'd probably be much more of a 50-50. So I, I think that there's there'd be a very good chance. Maybe you look at some of the things that have happened. You know, I think Ohio State is probably still a more talented team. And so maybe talent wins out the more times you play. Uh, and I don't know if you know they could reproduce that effort completely in a neutral side or on the road, but you know, we'll see. But I think they would have a great shot. The game would probably look a lot like it did. Maybe there's a different outcome, maybe not. What did you make of Michigan State's hire of of Jonathan Smith? And when you look at Oregon State, 
What a sad day. A guy who's a former quarterback for the program is leaving for Michigan State. They don't have a conference. A rough time for Oregon State as everything kind of settles in for them. You know, I thought if John Smith left, I thought it was going to be maybe UCLA. We'll see if, you know, Chip uh, Kelly's still there. I mean, I thought that there was some backdoor stuff maybe going on to signal to him, hey, don't take any other jobs. But he was perfect for Oregon State. He was winning a lot there. And let's be honest, guys, I mean, they're not in the top four of the Pac-12. They're having success, which I think is why that's a great hire for Michigan State because, you know, excluding the West Coast schools, you're never going to be better than um, Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State as far as recruiting, interests, facilities on a year-in and year-out basis. Intermittently, yeah, you can get a class here or there. You can have better seasons, but you've got to do it in a developmental way. It's going to be a little tougher. And he did that at Oregon State. So I, I think this was a home-run hire for Michigan State and what they were able to do. Do you rather have Elko or Stoops right now if you're A&M? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, there, there's a familiarity with Elko uh, and what he's been able to do. So I, I like that hire a lot. I think Stoops would have been a great hire as well. I mean, I know it wasn't the year that they wanted, but they just beat Louisville. So, so I mean, like they, he's, it's not like he's a bad coach. You give that guy resources and facilities, and I think you would probably see about the same. And it's also interesting that Lucci had mentioned last week, he's like, results on Saturday will matter for Stoops in the whole process. Yeah, and then which, is, which is weird to me. You know, I, agree, like I know. One game, okay, now we're going to hire the guy because he beats Louisville. Well, at the end or of maybe a, it's the opposite. Maybe he stayed if, Lu, if they beat Louisville. And because it's that's, been a pretty mediocre perception. season for him until that that win over Louisville on Saturday. Um, Mississippi State kind of went about this thing quietly, and they got Jeff Levy uh, to be the next guy. Now you've got another branch of that Art Bryles hypel tree in the SEC that should put up a lot of points. What do you make of the hire for State? And is this an opportunity for Art Bryles maybe to get back oh. into college coaching with his son-in-law now with a head coaching job at Mississippi State? This feels like this... the type of program, Bobby, that could say, screw it, we're going to bring him on, and he deserves another chance to coach. Well, it seems like the type of program, and this isn't a knock on Mississippi State. I mean, they haven't had prolonged periods of success. Okay, right. So they're, they're willing to kind of try anything. And I don't mean with Levy, but potentially bringing in Bryles and I think that there, there's it's a strong enough culture and organization where if Levy wins a little bit and you bring him in, like, hey, you know what? We're not going to make a big deal about this locally, and we'll just weather the national storm. And I think that you possibly could see it. I'm not saying that it will happen, but I, I think that that is a place that uh, you just pointed out there, Withrow. I think that that's very, very astute that they could get it done. And let's be honest. I mean, they were winning in Michigan, Michigan or, uh, Mississippi State with Leach due to offense. So I think they want to get back to something where you have some something unique to sell and we can go score a lot of points and, and come here, even though it may not be, you know, the Bamas, the Floridas, the Georgias, the Tennessees of the world. Bobby Carpenter, our guest here on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Okay, we've seen the progression of Saban's group in Tuscaloosa this season. What do you make of the matchup now after what we've seen in the way we have seen Georgia finish the, finish the year and an Alabama team with a quarterback that continues the upward trajectory? Well, I think there are two teams that are playing their best football right now. And you look at both of them, not that you know Georgia won all of their games, but they kind of struggled a little bit. There were some highs and lows throughout the middle of the season. And you look at Alabama, obviously losing early on. You know They bench Milrow. They come back to him. Man, I, 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 they think this game will look a lot like Saturday's Ohio State-Michigan game. It's going to be a heavyweight slugfight. And I think... 
Georgia is probably a little better. Maybe there's a little more belief that they can get this done. You know, there's some cachet there, but when you have Milrow and he's playing like that, you know, you have a chance. But let's not forget, like that Auburn team, I know it was a Jordan era. I know that's a, a tough place to play, but it wasn't like that Auburn team was ranked 10th in the country right. either. So they had them dead to rights. They just let them off the hook for the second year in a row. I, I've said, I think the three of us have said, that championship games or title games are going to mean more, impact the college football playoff more this year than we've seen maybe in the past. Do you still buy that? And if so, does that mean Florida State's getting in if they win the ACC? I don't know. I listen. I think they're looking for a reason to leave Florida State out because I know the committee doesn't like these doesn't like blowouts. You know, that's part of the reason Ohio State got in last year and they played Georgia tough, and that's probably the best thing that they may have going for them now. Um, but let's be honest, guys. Like Auburn playing Bama tough, and I'm not taking anything away from Bama. It's a big rivalry game. Florida, Florida State, big rivalry game. But this is a Florida team that we've watched like ride the roller coaster all year. It's not like this is a Florida team coached by Steve Spurrier that was, you know, 10 and one entering the game. It's a Florida team that's hovering right around 500. So there's, there's a big gap there. And we really haven't watched Tate Rodemaker play terrific football. I think it's the fact that Florida's offense was not very good at the end of that game. And it wouldn't surprise me if Louisville wins this. But if it's close, I think they'll look for a reason to put someone else in. What do you think about the possibility of Dan Mullen to Syracuse after reports started linking the two up over the weekend? I, I, would, I was kind of surprised that you know they didn't take a stab with him going back to potentially Mississippi State. Uh, if Dan Mullen wants to get into coaching, I mean, Syracuse, I think that he could go there. Uh, the ACC's not very good, but guys, have either you been to Syracuse, New York? I have not. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. It's not regionally all that far um, away. But, man, it, it is an outpost kind of on the edge of the country. And there was a day where you could probably recruit New York and PA and the DMV area and have a lot of success. I, I don't know if you can do that consistently now. And to be able to out-recruit schools like, you know, Boston College, Virginia Tech, let alone, you know, getting back to, you know, a, a consistent top 25 uh, stature. So uh, it, he'll have to look at it. It depends if there's other jobs out there and how bad he wants to get into coaching. Washington and Oregon in the rematch. Uh, Chad, you said the line right now is what nine and a half. Yeah, it's it's almost double digits. Oregon favored, I, I which mean, is crazy. Why why I mean, why yeah. does Washington not get more uh, credit and and does what do they deserve from the perception it, of what they've it done? Feels like last year's TCU, another purple that's team that's just surviving by the skin of their teeth right now. Six games well, like that. I, they have an explosive offense. I think there's questions about their defense. How consistent is their running game? You know, what does that ultimately look like? And I think more of it is a function of the, the fact that Oregon's playing probably some of the best football of anybody in the country. I know that they lost to Washington. It was on the road, and they missed a field goal late. You know, and, and they didn't get three fourth downs. And I believe Washington, off the top of my head, got a couple of them. And so that it was a back-and-forth game, but you look at it, they had a chance to win, and it was on the road. And so, like, when you start to see, you know, games like that, all of a sudden, you throw in a neutral site. One team has continued to play better. The other team has maybe struggled somewhat. I think that's where you're starting to see, you know, this kind of change in paradigm. Bobby Carpenter, always great uh, with the reaction to the weekend. Check him out on SiriusXM Channel 84. Thanks so much, man. As always, uh, glad you had a good holiday weekend, and we'll catch up next Monday. Absolutely, gentlemen. Thank you. There he is. B Carp 3 on social. Um, he's, he's maintained for the last several weeks now that the the hype surrounding the buzz surrounding a hot seat for Ryan Day is not real that it's it's not at least not yet
Maybe we're a year away from that. I don't think it should be real. Um, I think Dan Mullen to Syracuse would be a home run for Syracuse. Let me let me get that in there before we go to break. Uh, that is a no-brainer if I'm Syracuse. That would be a great hire. Certainly sounds Keep like mind, a guy who wants to from, coach. From New Hampshire. Yeah. From the Northeast. That would be a good one. Coming up, overreaction for college football headlines or maybe realistic concerns. That's next on Hot Mike. Frank Reich is out as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Dan Dockich will join us in about 20 minutes. He's, he has perspective on Frank Reich, his time in Indianapolis, plus perspective on the uh, college football and NFL weekends straight ahead. Chad, uh, in regards to Ryan Day in Ohio State, I found it interesting that Billy Lucci and Tex Ags were throwing his name out there as one of the three that he would not, like, douse the flames on. Is Jimmy Sexton his agent? Probably. This is Jimmy Sexton's season, everybody. Well, uh, a lot of names you see thrown out there. Uh, Dabo Sweeney is another one that suddenly, you know, oh, maybe he's going to be in play. But Lucci These was... These are all efforts Lucci to was get, get raises. Some. Douching, uh, dousing some. And this was right before... It was right before kickoff. Yeah. Of Ohio State, Michigan. We'll ask Billy Lucci I'm, when he comes on about this. He'll be blunt with um, it. Because... Some I get, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. And the Dabo report was from, I think, Brent Zwerneman was interesting because, yeah, we know that he's a little bit upset with you know, what he deems fair-weather Clemson fans that don't understand their history and this and that. But right. got a hard time believing that Ryan Day would leave Ohio State uh, for, for any other college job or that Dabo Sweeney's going to leave for any other job other than maybe going back to his alma mater to succeed Nick Saban. I don't see Dabo Sweeney leaving for a, another college or pro job for that matter. He's, he's a Clemson guy, and that's where he'll be. I think it's Ray's season for, uh, for Jimmy Sexton in a lot of instances. So I, I try to sift through the news that way, knowing that it's always a lot of this is, is agents just putting stuff out there to try to get their guy a raise. Yeah. Uh, the insider, though, Billy Lucci, joins us uh, in the third hour. Uh, Tim Brando will as well. Uh, plus, uh, coming up, uh, Dan Dockage again in about 15 minutes or so. Right now, though, Davey Hudson joins us in studio. He has some questions involving overreaction or maybe not from Rivalry Weekend. That I do, Hutton. I mean, we started out talking about Michigan versus Ohio State. and You look at it, I know the first suspension Harbaugh served, they rotated their head coaches as, on the interim status, but these last three games sure on more. So. Well, that's because Moore had to serve a game. True. But, they, they they had to rotate which game they were surf, surfing. Yeah, because they all they all got a suspend one game suspension. based on the recruiting yeah. stuff. But as we've discussed, there's a lot of conversation about will Jim Harbaugh be back from Michigan next year. So for our first statement, Michigan will promote Sharon Moore if Jim Harbaugh does not return to Michigan. I want to know whatever Michigan found out that caused them to drop their legal proceeding to to end to to stop the injun to get the injunction to stop. Jim Harbaugh from being suspended because it's clear they're presented with some info that more knew than they let on to know. Uh, well, it was before, Chris Partridge, right? Wasn't he's the one guy coach? fired, but it's not like they haven't been going out of their way to talk about no one else knew since then. So did the coordinators know? Again, I can't answer this question because we got to know more about we, the investigation. Yes, because they knew, <laughs> yes. I, I'm with you, but is there evidence that they knew? Like, right. 
If so, no, they're all going to be gone. Like I, I still think there is a scenario where they have to clean house because this has tentacles all over the program. And now if you tell me there's absolutely no digital footprints of Moore or any other assistant, it's just Partridge, and that was it, and even though we know they knew, maybe they didn't because we can't prove it, and Jim Harbaugh leaves for the Vegas Raiders or whatever. Yeah, I think Sharon Moore gets the job. If no one else is implicated in this, I think they elevate him, and he's done a good enough job where he's promoting. You want to keep that Jim Harbaugh program churning right along, and that's the best way to do it. But Hutton, I got to know what Michigan learned that made them stop the legal proceedings because that is a big piece of this. The only thing in the statement, and we, we just hit on it, what was Partridge being relieved of his linebacker duties. And in that same statement, they mentioned that the Big Ten was going to cease their investigation, that it had concluded, and they were going to continue to cooperate fully with the NCAA. That, so like you tie that in, but I can only think that with that news coming out, the morning of said hearing that that would have been what would would have been presented in front of the judge uh, as well, and they knew it. However, this is also a university and a, a president that, um, as of early October, mid-October, wanted to just go ahead and extend Jim Harbaugh. They wanted it done prior to kickoff against Purdue. And since then, you know, they've put that extension on hold as of late October, but there's no doubt they want to extend him if they can because they continue to win. That, that, that's, the, that's the whole thing here. And if he wins and they, he ends up bolting for the NFL, I think, Chad, you're going to hate this. They'll just turn to more. No, they should. And, if, if there's no other issues to NCAA, I think they should. Yeah, I think they'll just they'll, – but even if there is, I mean, I think they'll just – you know, if the NCAA wants to come through and, and you know, hammer the program later, more will bolt for somewhere else too. You know, if they can't prove anything to have a show cause for any reason, that's the, that's the detriment to all of this is whatever has happened now has happened and whatever penalty is to come from the NCAA isn't going to impact this season, the results or the future of Harbaugh or more for that matter. Mm -hmm. I, I think, yes, the, the common sense answer is to turn things over to him based on the fact that he's been the guy while Harbaugh hasn't been on the sideline the last three I weeks. I think it's going to have to be Georgia that impacts this season for uh, Michigan. Go ahead, Davey. What's next? Yeah, guys. Uh, I mean, for Michigan, regardless of whether they win or lose on Saturday, it looks as though they're going to be in the college football playoff. But in my opinion, you can't say that for another school. And Florida State gets left out of the college football playoff even with a win on Saturday. I pray they don't. But Bobby even said it. Oh, boy, they got TV ratings in mind. They don't like blowouts in this thing. And I hate when committees get involved in trying to project and not just looking at what, what has happened over the course of the season. I fear that they're going to do that with Florida State. But I'm going to go and say that the better angels involved here went out and Florida State will win out and win the ACC title. And Hutton, they're not going to get left out. I'm going to say it's an overreaction. I'm going to say they're in the college football playoff. So I, I think they're going to be left out. I don't think this is an overreaction. And I have been banging the drum on the championship games meaning more. But this is also going to tie in with some of my future answers that are on this list that Davey's going to throw out. But here's the thing. With or without Jordan Travis, Washington was going to jump them. And they did. And so now what happens with the result of Washington, Oregon, and will the Ducks, if they win, do enough 
to also make that hurdle? My assumption will be yes, but it would also be contradicting another championship game where you potentially have the unbeaten Seminoles. It's hard to imagine an unbeaten ACC champion being left out. I don't want them to be left out if that's the case. But I don't think it's an overreaction because, I mean, they say it's not going to factor in, but it does. Certain quarterbacks playing, certain quarterbacks not. Even though we can point to Cardell Jones at Ohio State is the reason why you can't judge what an individual is going to do and project performance. It also helps in that argument, if they want to leave them out, that the ACC is by far the worst of the Power Five conferences. Very bad. But moving right along, a team, or sorry, a conference we always see in the college football playoff, you know, Georgia, Alabama, what's going to happen there? But Alabama is going to win the SEC championship. Uh, that's an overreaction. Georgia's the best team. Uh, I, I've seen it now. Yeah, they had a bit of a step back and didn't play as well against Georgia Tech, a heated rival on the road. I think Georgia's the best team in the country. I think they started to come into their own in early November, and I don't see that changing. Alabama should have lost to Auburn. Uh, Alabama showed some of those warts they showed early in the year, again, in the last game of the season. I know it's Auburn. I know it's the Iron Bowl, but you want to talk about a team. Nick Saban doesn't like to throw the word luck around. You can call it fortunate. You can call it lucky, whatever. It was a great play, but they are very fortunate not to have lost that game on a fourth and 31 I think Georgia's still the best team. I think they're going to prove it in Atlanta in the SEC championship game. Georgia's still the best team. I, I call it an overreaction to say that Alabama's going to win the game. I will not be shocked or surprised if they do. Uh, just because of the trajectory that both programs have been on since they were both really written off in the month of September. And Milrow, I don't know if I've seen a quarterback that has developed in the course of one season the way he has. And gone through the, you know, the ups and down, and, and the being benched against uh, the South Florida, and then coming back and turning into the quarterback that he is, where he's shouting, you know, give me the Heisman. I mean, I would have never predicted that. This is a Bama team that uh, Saban's not going anywhere all of a sudden, and this is one of his best coaching jobs. I can't wait for the matchup, and it. it it's still Georgia's game. It's an overreaction to say Bama's outright winning it, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I will not be surprised if Bama does win it. Well, Bama did lose this year to Texas. That leads me to my next point, and that's Texas is making the college football playoff. I'm going to say overreaction only because, in my heart of hearts, I still believe this will be the year we get a clear-cut four 13 and 0 teams okay. playing for the national championship. I think Michigan's going to beat Iowa. I think Georgia is going to beat Alabama. I'm going to stay out on that limb with Washington. I've been on all year and say, even as almost double digit underdog, they're going to beat Oregon for a second time. And Florida state is going to beat Louisville. And we're going to be left with four undefeated conference champions. And it's going to be glorious. Okay. I love that. I don't think Texas is getting in either way because if Oregon beats Washington, how are they in the eye of the committee? If Florida State wins and they put in the unbeaten Seminoles, and they, they should, they're in. Michigan's in. And then what happens? If, the other thing, if Bama does beat Georgia, the SEC's getting two teams in, right? Georgia's not falling out. How can you, put, how can you not put the tide in 
based on that victory and their schedule? Yeah, I think how many in. teams would have that record against Bama's schedule? No, I think Bama's definitely in. The question would be: Would Georgia fall all the way to number five from uh, with up, one we, with one loss we, from number one? We've never seen the committee do that based on the value that they give that spot, right? Like I, I don't yeah. think they would fall all the way out. And again, it's not if you lose, it's how you lose. So let's see the game, but it's it's not going to be a blowout one way or the other. And case in point, we saw the reverse happen um, with uh, at the Georgia Dome chat. Well, if you want to get into a couple years ago, the SEC title game. If you want to get into transitive property with this, which I think is a fallacy in all of sports when you yeah. try to do this too often, but there's a pretty simple one here. You know, by the, uh, the seven degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon rule here, if Alabama beats Georgia. That leaves Georgia and Texas with one loss, and Texas would be a one-loss conference champion. Georgia would not have a conference champion. Mm -hmm. And who is their mutual opponent? Alabama. Texas won on the road at Alabama. Georgia would have lost on a neutral field. I think Ty would go to Texas, and Georgia may be out in that scenario. So do you think Michigan can be number one over Georgia this week? No. I don't see. I don't just based on what the way the committee views both of those programs currently. I, to me, the ratings, the rankings have to matter because they're telling you how they view the programs. I don't think you can just flip the two, and I, they wouldn't flip ranking. I understand that, but I couldn't put Georgia behind Texas all of a sudden for a loss to Bama in the last week. When again, I see where Texas is compared to if Bama wins the SEC title game. They're not going to leave. I don't think they leave the SEC champion out. I don't. Well, they're not going to leave Alabama out. I and think I, Alabama plays their way in or, with a win over Georgia. Or their regardless. number one team going into championship weekend. Based on the, just based on the SEC compared to the other schedules that other teams will play. If that scenario unfolds, that's where I see an undefeated Florida State being left out. Yeah, yes. Georgia could get yep. the tie over them. But I also think if Oregon wins, so Michigan in that scenario, Bama, Michigan, Oregon as conference champions, I think, are in. Then, to me, it could be Texas getting in over Florida State and... See, I think that's where Florida State's Florida left State out and Georgia's and Georgia. the To me, the question then becomes with a committee, probably between Texas and Georgia. I hate that, yeah. but I think there, there's more of a question about those two teams, and I think there's a scenario where Texas gets in over Georgia in that case as a conference champion. It's going to be fun. Maybe so. I, I, I'm just trying to read it through the room. I understand your properties that you're going through. It makes that's common sense. We see the head-to-head matchups. Um, man, I just—it's hard to believe a number one ranked SEC program falls to five or six based on what happens this weekend. Coming up, Dan Dockett jumps in the mix. Frank Reich out in Carolina. 